This is Chris Dufault. I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Kirkston, Minnesota. I'm pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan in studio. We'll also hear reports from Don Wick, Sierra Doctor, and Whitney Pittman. Handful of uh, key lawmakers will be meeting with members of the American Sugar Beet Growers Association today during their annual meeting. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Don Wick has this report from Washington, D.C. Randy, in the four years since the current farm bill passed, more than 40% of the House seats have turned over. American Sugar Beet Growers Association past president Dan Youngren sees that inexperience as an issue. We're moving into a, a whole new world as far as people that are on the Hill that are going to be writing the, uh, doing the legislative work for uh, constructing and writing and hopefully trying to get this bill across, across the line. Um, we at the ASGA identify that and uh, boy I tell you we are ramping up and working very hard to get uh, folks uh, all the information they need to go to the hill to help educate these people that have absolutely no idea what they have got themselves into. House Agriculture Committee Chair Glenn G.T. Thompson will address sugar beet growers this morning. Thompson wants the new farm bill passed before the current law expires at the end of September. Is that doable? Youngren says it. A super heavy left, a lot of dynamics that are going to have to be uh, uh, implemented into this, um, uh, you know, if you had to go to Vegas and, and get some odds, I'd put it at a 60-40 um, that it's going to get done. Um, but I'm on the optimistic side. Uh, we have some people that say there's no way this is going to get done. It'll be an extension. Young Renew Farms at Hallock, Minnesota, says the American Sugar Beet Growers Association will be back in Washington, D.C. at the end of February to lobby Congress. Our coverage of this meeting made possible by Beta Seed, the Red River Valley Sugar Beet Growers Association, Ag Country Farm Credit Services, Sess Vanderhoff, and Nutrien Ag Solutions. I'm Don Wick, reporting from Washington, D.C. on the Red River Farm Network. The trade organization representing crop protection industry surprisingly wants more funding for the Environmental Protection Agency. Crop Life America President and CEO Chris Novak says EPA needs more people to get products registered on a timely basis. EPA is supposed to uh, review a new pesticide application and make a decision within two years. Um, that's taking at least three years and, and EPA has indicated that to complete the endangered species review uh, could actually take an additional 12 months. So uh, as we think about new products for farmers, one of the biggest challenges we have is that we've got products that will sit in the regulatory queue at EPA for up to four years. When it takes more time for crop protection companies to get through the regulatory process, there's less time to recover the investments in research and commercialization. At the American Sugar Beet Growers Association meeting, Novak's at CropLife wants EPA to remain focused on science rather than the hazard-based strategy advocates, uh, advocated by activists. NDSU Extension has released its 2023 short and long-term ag planning price projections. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has that story. NDSU Extension farm management specialist Ron Haugen says livestock prices are favorable for 2023 in their projection guide. For the lightweights, like the 400 to 500 pound steers, uh, 235 
and for the higher weights, 800 to 900, 195. The projections for livestock are based on a lot of things. It's based on the, the famous cattle cycle, which, and then there's the demand issues. And Tim Petrie, he's part of this publication. He's the one that really gets dives into the livestock stuff. He's pretty accurate. We've looked at historically what he actually projected and the, actually what happened, and it's pretty close. Cull cows are projected at $90 a hundredweight, slaughter hogs at $68 a hundredweight, and 60 to 90 pound feeder lambs are projected to sit at $180 a hundredweight. Haugen says the short-term projections should be used as a guide for setting price expectations for 2023 production. Yes, uh, it, this is why we do it. It's for pr producers to give them a guide, and it's not that it's going to be right on, but everyone's situation is different. And um, and they can use the short-term prices for if they're applying for operating loans and say this is probably what we're going to try get for our, our crops as we're, uh, 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 that we're going to plan on growing. And then if they're planning on some major purchase like a like a combine or a, or a shop, then they probably want to look at some more longer-term prices, not just the prices just this year. Reporting agriculture's business. I'm Sierra Doctor. On the Red River Farm Network. This is the Red River Farm Network. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. There is a customary conflict between agriculture and the environment. USDA Undersecretary for Farm Production and, Con and Conservation Robert Bonney says common ground can be found with climate policy. Bonnie spoke at the American Sugar Beet Growers Association's annual meeting and advocated a carrot versus a stick approach. Regulations tend to be good at getting folks to stop doing bad things. They aren't good at getting folks to adopt good things. And what we're talking about when we, when we think about climate is how do we get farmers, ranchers, forest landowners to adopt practices that are, that are good for the environment. And a regulatory approach isn't particularly good at that. An approach that is about incentives and collaboration is good. When incentives are based on the amount of carbon sequestered, early adopters are penalized. Bonnie said USDA Climate Smart Partnerships are not conservation programs. They are a commodity program. One of the interesting things about an approach around climate smart commodities is that we're not tying the benefit directly to the amount of greenhouse gases. We're tying it more to the practices of, of uh, climate smart agriculture. So if you want to do a climate smart practice or a, a partnership uh, project where you're tying it to carbon and you're in the voluntary carbon market, great, you can do that. But if you're interested in actually how do you address early adopters and create value for them, tying it to the practice is good and I think ultimately um, provides an opportunity for, to keep early adopters in the game and make sure they're rewarded for their stewardship. The sugar beet crop went into the pile in good condition and are storing well. Sess Vanderhoff, sales and marketing manager Nick Revere says beet seed should be ready for delivery in March. Hopefully we get uh, planting at a more normal time than we did last year. Um, get a few, uh, few acres in in April. Um, optimum planting date, you know, is around that 25th of April to get good tons and good quality. Um, we're kind of going in a little bit on the dry side, so um, some of this extra snow that we got, hopefully that'll snoke in, and we'll get some good uh, moisture for planting in conditions, and then uh, let's get some heat and get her going. New genetics are on the way to regional beet growers. We're working on a lot of different um, characteristics, um, some cosper-tolerant genes, um, some insect-tolerant genes. Um, we got some... 
our Phenomyces tolerance is, is really optimum, um, and the Rhizoctonia tolerance. So as far as root rot goes, we seem to have mastered that, and now it's time to emphasize high in some of these other diseases. Revere says these varieties will be evaluated during this growing season and should be ready for commercial release in 24 and 25. Minnesota's budget debates have begun in both the uh, State House and Senate Ag Committees. Red River Farm Network Farm Broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. The Minnesota Department of Agriculture has proposed to increase the fertilizer tonnage fee by 25 cents per ton. This fee funds inspections, permitting, and nitrogen point source evaluations. In a House Agriculture Committee meeting last week, State Representative Bobby Harder reminded the department of the impact that could have on farmers. It can be a struggle to be a farmer, and it is right now with the uncertain times and the increase of costs. And this is just one more burden that you're going to be adding on to farmers that we have to somehow bear. Just keep that in mind when you're requesting that. Minnesota Ag Commissioner Tom Peterson says the cost to individual farmers would come with safety benefits. Those are, it's a, you know, get to be actually not to the farmer, it's to the retailer. But we know the retailer passes that down most of the time within their uh, blocks. So that's what I always ask my staff when we propose any type of fee, what is it actually going to cost the farmer? So most of those are, you know, going to cost less than $20 a year. Uh, but again, the farmer's getting some of that uh, value in safety and making sure that things are within regulation so that they don't have more costs on the, far, on the back end. This tonnage fee would be raised from a total of $1.27 per ton to $1.52 per ton. According to state statutes, a tonnage report and inspection fee is not required by a licensee who distributes fertilizer solely by custom application. Reporting agriculture's business on the Red River Farm Network, I'm Whitney Pittman. USDA's National Ag Statistics Service reporting topsoil moisture in North Dakota, 65% adequate to surplus. Subsoil rated 46% short to very short. South Dakota's topsoil rated 48% short to very short. And subsoil rated 65% short to very short. This is the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Chinese purchases of Argentinian soybean oil supported the vegetable oil market yesterday. Ag Resource Company President Dan Bossi said that spiked the canola market higher. China was not only buying Argentinian soybean oil, they were also buying canola oil. And, and again, this is the state buyer, uh, uh, which is called Sinograin. We're not sure exactly what the plans are, but normally when he comes in and is a sizable buyer, it tends to be for reserve. So there's likely to be some purchases, additional purchases following. And Bossy says traders will also be watching the outcome of this week's Federal Reserve Board meeting. We'll watch it in terms of the value of the U.S. dollar, but most of us think that rates are, how should I say it, getting near the end. I don't think they hit the pause button yet, but whether we go to five and a quarter, five and a half, I think is the big question. But it seems like a lot of that rate increase is baked into the cake per se. And so the market's maybe not going to be as negative as it had been. But again, the inflation is very difficult to get down and Getting it into its 2% box, their target is going to be tough. Seed genetics continues to improve. Proceed General Manager David Blue says there are options for growers. 
Whether you're an enlist, whether you're an extend flex guy, um, we've definitely taken major strides in just one and two years, and it's definitely a step change every year, which has been fun to be a part of. And we used to think of it as frustrating, right? Man, I fell in love with something and it's gone, but uh, now it's become exciting. Uh, we're constantly improving, whether we're a better disease package, better IDC. Uh, but at the end of the day, farmers need to be able to kill weeds and the option to kill with multiple systems what we need and, and, and be able to have products that fit every acre. Um, it's fantastic. Checking markets before we leave you this morning. We're seeing a little pressure across the grains here. Uh, right now, Minneapolis March wheat's down eight and a quarter. Chicago is down eight, and Kansas City March wheat's down eight and three quarter cents. March corn's trading down a penny and three quarter at six eighty two, and December corn's down one at five eighty eight and three quarters. March soybeans are down six cents at fifteen twenty nine and a quarter, and November soybeans are down six and three quarter cents at thirteen sixty and three quarters. On the farm calendar this morning, uh, the uh, American Sugar Beet Growers Association's annual meeting continues through today in Washington, D.C. Stay tuned for reports from Don Wick on that. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers is updating its Lake Traverse and Mud Lake con uh, water control plan and is seeking public input. They're hosting two public meetings, the first of which is tonight. and will be beginning at 6 o'clock. That's at Wheaton High School Auditorium. And then there's another one tomorrow evening at 6 o'clock at the Wapaton High School Auditorium. The 37th Annual Water Systems Expo and Conference uh, begins today, runs out through February 2nd, uh, out through Thursday. It'll be at the Bismarck Events Center in Bismarck. Uh, that gets underway with registration at 8 a.m. Uh, both days. Also, the American Crystal Sugar Company Growers Seminar begin tomorrow. They'll be at the Fargo Holiday Inn tomorrow. They'll be at the Alaris Center in Grand Forks on February 7th and in Grafton on the 9th. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. This is the Red River Farm Network.